Welcome to Blue Springs Christian Church. If you're joining us online or you're here in person, we're so thankful to have you with us. If you're new to Blue Springs Christian Church, I want to encourage you to text the word new to the number on the screen. That way we can get to know you a little bit throughout the next week. If you're a BSCCer and you're joining us online, I'd love for you to text your names in so we can know that you're joining us as well. Easy to give here at Blue Springs Christian Church if you'd like to support the mission of bringing people into fully devoted relationships with Jesus Christ together online via texting the word give to the number on the screen or simply by stopping and putting your offering in the boxes at the doors. We thank you so much for being with us. I ask that you now stand whether you're at home or here with us and worship today. Are y'all ready to give to Jesus tonight? Give him all your stuff. He can handle it. Let's get our hands together. Come on. Trust. 
missionary Lynn Pottinger with us today and uh, she's going to come up and give us a little update on her ministry in Kenya. Please welcome Lynn Pottinger everybody. Good evening church. Ejoha es dang yawayong amalas alo nitunga ngaturkana. Hello to all of you. I bring you greetings from the church of Turkana. Um, my name is Lynn Pottinger. I work with Christian Missionary Fellowship International in Kenya among the Turkana people. One of the things that you should know about the Turkana is that um, they live in a desert and they are shepherds. So as you can imagine, uh, there's not a lot of green things in the desert for um, the Turkana, for their animals to eat. And so the Turkana kind of live on the edge of survival. Um, there are days when they don't know when or where their next meal is going to come from. And um, in their traditional religion, they have been told that um, there was a creator God, and he created the world and all the people and everything. But then uh, he went off and kind of um, was disinterested in the goings on of the world and uh, disinterested in what happened to the people that he created. So there's really good news when we bring the gospel um, to people because we're able to tell them that God is a God of relationships. In John chapter 1, we're told that um, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says... The word became flesh and dwelled among us. And if you, if you read that in the message, it says, um, the word became 
um, one of us and moved into the neighborhood. Basically, it, it means that God came and pitched his tent with us right next door and is really interested in what's going on in our lives and how, um, how we're doing. And he wants to be a part of our lives because he desires relationship with us and he cares about us. And so that's good news. And I want to thank all of you for giving um, to this church so that good news can come here in Blue Springs, Missouri, but it also can go around the world so people know that God is interested in relationships and loves us. Thank you. Martin Luther King Jr. was born on January 15, 1929 in Atlanta, Georgia. King was a pivotal advocate for African Americans during the Civil Rights Movement in the United States. King experienced racism at a very early age firsthand, and those events and experiences helped shape his life, and as an adult, he became a very prominent advocate for African Americans. King was uh, pivotal in what he did throughout the United States. Um, he gave many moving speeches across the nation, and he was uh, working tirelessly to uh, provide a lot of uh, leadership for some very peaceful protests that started in the South, aimed at trying to uh, fix the inequality that he saw among African Americans at that time. King's work and efforts uh, were awarded with a, a Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, but tragically, four years later, on April 4th, 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was shot and killed in Memphis, Tennessee. And though his life ended that day, his work definitely did not. In fact, he, his work and his actions uh, made sure that, that many laws and practices were changed across our nation and, and in some ways across the world. And Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, moving words continue to inspire generations to this day. He is remembered for his message and also for his actions. These are his words. A genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of consensus. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. We must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate, violence multiplies violence, and toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. Never succumb to the temptation of bitterness. We may all have come on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. An individual has not started living until he can rise above the narrow confines of his individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity. No one really knows why they're alive until they know what they die for. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in a moment of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in a time of challenge and controversy. He who passively accepts evil is as much involved in it as he who helps to perpetrate it. He who accepts evil without protesting against it is really cooperating with it. We will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. 
People fail to get along because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other. They don't know each other because they have not communicated with each other. I have a dream that one day my four children will live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. We who engage in nonviolent direct action are not the creators of tension. We merely bring to the surface the hidden tension that is already alive. History will have to record that the greatest tragedy of this period of social transition was not the strident clamor of the bad people, but the appalling silence of the good people. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Cowardice asks the question, is it safe? Expediency asks the question, is it politic? Vanity asks the question, is it popular? But conscience asks the question, is it right? There comes a time when we must take a position that is neither safe politic or popular, but one that is right. Take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Well, hi, BSCC. Uh, I want to thank our, our Racial Reconciliation Initiative uh, for that, that wonderful video there. I want to say hi to everybody online. Uh, it's a joy to worship with you in this service as well as everybody on campus. We're beginning 2021 with a series called Transform. And in this series, we're learning how God does not want us to conform to the patterns that we find in our world, but instead wants us to be transformed increasingly into the character and likeness of Jesus Christ. And in the first part of the, this series, we, we talked about how this work of transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a progressive work that God does inside of us as we seek to follow Jesus Christ, but it's also something that we, to be transformed, must desire, we, we must commit to it. And I would say that the, the part of this work of transformation that we're gonna be looking at in this message, that, that is most certainly the case, is we're gonna talk about how God wants uh, to transform our health. You were made in such a complex and intricate way. Your mind affects your emotions. Your emotions affect your body. Your body affects your mind. Now next week, we're going to look at how God wants to transform our thinking. So in this message, what I want to do is, is just help us see from the scriptures how we commit to God and to his work of transforming us physically and, and emotionally in the way in which we live. And there's so much that we could talk about regarding, you know, our physical health and the way in which we care for and use our body. But to me, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, just gets right to the core. So this is where we're going to begin in, in the scriptures where we read the, these words. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a, a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So when we think about all that God has done for us, first and foremost in you know, giving his son on the cross for our sins, the only thing that really makes sense for us to do in response is to give our body 
and our entire life to God as a, as a holy and living sacrifice. And this is a, this is a, a surrendering to God of, of our body, every part of our body, a, a yielding of our, our body and life to God in such a, a sincere and wholehearted way that then over time our body begins to naturally do what is right and good even before we begin to think about it. I want you to take a look at, at this. Physically, I am to care for and use my body for God's glory. Now, as we follow Jesus, we have a far greater motivation to want to care for and, and, uh, and do what we can to, to be in good health, more so than a person who doesn't have a, a faith or uh, a desire to be in relationship with God. Why do I say that? Well, because if, if, if my motivation for you know, taking care of my body and being healthy is just to sort of you know, slim down another dress size or another belt size for you know, my high school reunion or something like that, that's not going to last. Our motivation to take good care of our body and, and to be as healthy as we can isn't to try to impress anybody. It is so that we might be able to bring glory to God with our body. So when I think about what it is that I put in my body or what it is that I put on my body or how I use my body, our motivation then is always to be, I want to bring glory to God with my body. Like it says here in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, before I share some specifics about, okay, how do we care for our body and use our body in this way to bring honor and glory to God for all that he has done for us? I, I just want to kind of put the obvious right out there and, and state it that no matter how hard we try, no matter how we try to delay it, our, our body is, is wearing down and it is eventually going to wear out. Uh, every year, it seems like I go to bed a little bit earlier, you know. Uh, my eyesight gets a little bit worse. Um, I um, groan a little bit more frequently whenever I sit or sit down or stand up, you know. And uh, this, this is something that I think our society really struggles with, with you know, getting comfortable with the idea of aging. In fact, I, I read about an older man who tried to look younger by putting braces on his false teeth, you know, went, went, went that far. But I want to share a statement with you that I came across about a decade ago when I was kind of having some issues with my body that I was getting frustrated with and kind of just recognizing, you know, that there's no way I'm going to really you know, be able to win, that my body's wearing down and stuff. I, I came across this statement and it, it really, I don't know, just something kind of clicked in me and I've kept it in my wallet actually for the last decade. Every once in a while I'll just get out and read it and remind myself of it. I, I thought I'd share it just, I thought it might be helpful that... It says this, be content with your age, be accepting of your physical imperfections, get on with your life. I just, I just, I like that. Get on with your life. Because the, the older we get, the more our body lets us down. But God is even greater. And he gave us our body. And he gave his son in part for our body. He puts his Holy Spirit within our body when we come to Christ. Our body belongs to him, and one day he will transform our body. But until then, what, whatever it is that we 
eat or drink or whatever it is that we do with our body, we want to seek to bring God glory with it and just then be, be content, be content in that. So with that thought in mind, I, I want to give you a couple takeaways for how, how do we commit to God and the work that he wants to do in us in a way that transforms us you know, physically in, in how we live. And, and the first, the first uh, thought about this is this. The first takeaway is that I am to care for my body in the ways that I eat and the ways that I rest and exercise. So I have some, some visuals up here to, to sort of just emphasize this. And the first one would be an apple. Um, healthy people consistently eat in, in a healthy way. And what we put in our bodies is, is going to come out in, in our life from, from our mood to our brain power to, to our energy level. And, and as we eat consistently in a, in a healthy way, um, it's, it, it helps with all kinds of different problems from headaches to um, fatigue to sleep problems to digestive problems and joint pain. Uh, even acne, I mean, just all, all kinds of things. When you consistently eat right and he- in a healthy way, it reduces the risk of things like Alzheimer's and obesity and, and, and depression. There's just so many things. You, you, you feel better. You sleep better. You have more energy. You're in a better mood. Food impacts you know, our, our overall health significantly, as does as does rest. Let me, let me read this verse here. Psalm 127.2. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. So I also have up here with me a pillow, just to kind of represent the idea of the importance of rest. Think about this. If God wanted to, he could have created us without the need for sleep, without the need for rest. And yet we spend about a third of our, our, our life, you know, resting and sleeping. Why, why is that? It's because God wants us to recognize the importance of rest and, and depending upon him. There's, there are so many scriptures about the importance of rest and relaxation and, and recreation. In fact, it's so important that God puts it in the Ten Commandments that he says, you know, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not lie, and do not work, you know, seven days uh, a week. You, you are every seven days to take, we are to take a full day off to, to rest our body, to relax and to, and to focus upon God. Giving God your best requires rest. And so you're, you're not wasting your time when you are relaxing, when, when you are uh, resting and, and recreating. And I've, I've had people say to me before, and I've thought about it before, you know, I, I, myself, I, I, I feel guilty sometimes when I relax. But Jesus, Jesus didn't. And as you read his story, you see that he would often take time to step away from the crowd, to rest, to, to relax with his disciples or even by himself, to be alone with his heavenly father. I heard about one guy who finally tracked down his pastor and he said to him, I, I tried to get a hold of you all day long on Monday. I, over and over, I could not get a hold of you. He said, well, that's because that's my day off. <laughs> and the guy was like, the devil never takes a day off. And the pastor was like, yeah, and if I don't take a day off, 
I'd be just like the devil, you know. And that's why some of you are so, so uh, grouchy. You, you're, you're not getting enough rest. <laughs> you're, you're not valuing this part of, of taking care of your body highly enough. Well, let's look at another verse. 1 Timothy 4.8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, it seems to me often when we read this verse, we misread it. And we read it in such a way where we, we think it says, you know, physical training has no value. Or it has just very little value. But that's not what God is saying here. God is saying as valuable as physical training and exercise is, spiritual training is even a higher value. So there is definitely value in exercising, in physical training. And so I have up here with me um, a dumbbell to, to illustrate the importance of exercise. You know, I, I have found the last few years that swimming is a really good way to get some exercise, and it's very easy on your joints and, and such. Uh, of course, this time of the year, you want to make sure you, you, you do that uh, indoors. Um, but swimming, hiking, walking, biking, you know, working out with weights, uh, getting on the elliptical, uh, the treadmill. There's just all, so many different ways that, that we can exercise. But what's important is that we, we get moving around, we, that, that we're active. You know, we, we get our, our rear in gear, and we, we uh, take, take that part that, that God says in the Bible about the value and importance of physical training to heart. Now, why, why am I taking some time to preach and talk about the importance of caring for our body and the way that we eat and rest and exercise? It's because of the second takeaway. The second takeaway of how we commit to God and His work of, of transforming us in, in terms of our physical life, and it's this, that we are to use our body to honor and to serve God. And I want to talk about that. I want to begin actually with a warning, and I, I share this with us, church, because of just how, how many times really it's, it's there in the Scripture for us about misusing our body or using our body in a way that does not honor God. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. All of the sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against the body, God tells us. So sexual intimacy you know, between a, a, you know, a, a loving husband and wife is a, a wonderful way in which God gives to us to use our body, but outside of that covenant and outside of that commitment of marriage between a man and a woman is a, is a misuse of our body. And you say, well, why is that, Dave? Because that is so counter to what our, our, our culture has to say. And here's the reason why. Because God created sex to unite a man and a woman together, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually and permanently. There's a glue factor to that that's just like for, for life is, is the intent. And so whenever we step outside of what our creator has to say about how he designed us, including our body. Not, not only do we dishonor our, our creator, but we, we do damage to ourselves and we do damage to others. And it's just so important that as we look at this series of being transformed, that, that for you to be transformed, you, you have to understand and, and really believe and, and be grateful that God loves you so deeply and dearly that everything he has to say to you is for your good 
including how you and I are to use our body and not use our body. And I would say one of the best ways that we use our body to bring glory and honor to God is through serving. And as we look at the story of our Savior, we just see him using his body every day in every relationship and situations to, to, to serve people, to meet needs. And you know, one of the ways we see him doing this is just by showing common courtesy to people. Like when he got down on his his hands and knees and washed the feet of his disciples. And so really honoring God in the way we serve and just help people begins with the little things. Opening the door for somebody, you know. Doing the dishes when it's not your turn. Uh, using your mouth to say thank you. These kinds of things. And then as we look at Jesus, we just see him using his body in ways where he would, he would meet needs. You know, he would, he would heal the sick or he would feed the, the hungry. And so I, I, I want to ask each of us, church, how might you serve someone in this coming week? Pray about that. Ask God, God, how, how do you want me to use my, my energy, my health, my body to to encourage somebody, to, to serve somebody who has a need, to, to express your love and compassion and kindness. I'm confident as you seek God in this way, he will speak to you about this because this is one of the ways, one of the most important ways that we honor God with our body. Well, I want to take the rest of our time to talk now about, okay, how do we commit to God and his work of transformation in us emotionally? And one of, the, one of the greatest threats to our health is stress. I mean, stress, it, it just takes a toll on us uh, from, from how it, it, uh, it increases our, our blood pressure to uh, the adrenaline that it shoots throughout our body, our, our pulse quickens, and it's just stress. And the big problems really come to us when we live in a way where our level of stress is heightened for an extended period of time. That's called chronic stress. And chronic stress studies have shown it's just, it is very destructive upon us. It, dam it damages, does damage to our, our brain, our heart, our immune system. And so I want you to take into your mind now and into your heart these wonderful transforming words of Jesus where he says to us in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus came to bring peace into your life. First and foremost in your relationship with God, but peace in a broader sense of the word as well. Peace of mind, peace of heart, peace within your body. And this peace comes from an inner spiritual strength that we receive in our relationship with Jesus, that as we follow him and submit to him, that, that there's a, a strength that, that we experience on the inside that gives us the confidence that nothing, nothing this evil, cruel world throws at us can possibly get the best of us in Jesus Christ. You see, that is the peace that Jesus came to bring to you and me. 
to commit to God's work of transformation in me then, I need to emotionally look to God to meet all of my needs. Your stress level, my stress level, this is true for all of us. If we will look to God to meet all of our needs, our, our stress level will go down dramatically, be reduced dramatically. And as your pastor, I just want to encourage you as best I can to not look anywhere for your security ultimately other than God. Let me just say that again, that the only place that you want to turn and, and look for your security is in God because everything else can be taken from you. And you want your peace of mind and you want your security to be anchored in something that cannot be taken from you. And you can lose your job, you can lose your health, you can lose a loved one, you can lose your reputation, you can lose your, your mind, but you cannot lose your relationship with God in Jesus Christ. Nothing can take that from you, you see. And so you want to, to put your security in Him and just look to God to meet all of your needs. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. David says, I, I look to God to meet my needs. I don't look anywhere else. I look to the Lord to meet my needs. And I would just encourage you, I hope this becomes the pattern of your life, that when you begin to feel stressed, that you just stop and you say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I look to him to take care of me. I can trust God to meet all of my needs. I brought with me also a frame that has uh, the serenity prayer on it. And somebody gave this to me several years ago after I, I, I did a message where I talked about abandoning outcomes to God. And, and that's a part of uh, faith and, and welcoming God's peace into our life. And, and so I've kept this in my office over the years, and every once in a while I'll read it because it's just, its words are such a, uh, such a stress reliever. So listen closely to this prayer that has just blessed millions and millions of people. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. That is a perspective that brings peace and health. And you know what I hear as I read those words? I hear gratitude. And gratitude is one of the healthiest emotions that we can have. And I think it's one reason why God gives us this command in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, where it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, 
It's so important when we read that verse to recognize, first of all, it's not saying give thanks for all circumstances. There, there are many horrible, bad things that we experience. But we are to give thanks in, in all circumstances. And when we look to God to meet all of our needs, then we can give thanks in the worst experiences that we have in life because of what we know. Because we know God's going to take that that negative, whatever it is, that loss, that pain, and somehow, some way, at some point in time, he, he's going to mix it all together with everything else in our life, and he's going to bring good from it, you see. And so we give thanks. We give thanks for our knowledge of that, and our faith in that promise to us from God and Jesus Christ. So when you feel stressed, then you want to thank God in it. You want to thank God for his love. You want to thank God for his strength. You want to thank God for his presence. You want to thank God for his, his uh, protection. You want to thank God for his guidance. And on top of all that, you, you want to thank God that this frustration, this irritation or whatever, this inconvenience may very well be a blessing in disguise, you see. Because opportunities, they often come to us disguised as a frustration or, or, or an irritation, a source of, of stress. Rarely does an opportunity come into your life with a, a sign around its neck going, hey, notice me. <laughs> I'm a blessing to your life, you know. Pay, pay attention to me. I'm an opportunity. No, usually it's, we don't recognize it at the time. It's, it's, it's later, you see as God gives us the gift of hindsight to be able to look back and say, okay, now I see that, that stressful situation, how, how God was able to work in a way that, that brought good from it. And so I rejoice and I'm thankful for it. Now, maybe you're thinking, but Dave, with what I've lost, how can I give thanks in that? You know, I've lost my health or I've, I've lost a loved one or or something. How can, I, how can I be thankful in that? Well, one, one way would be to focus on what you have left. Because you may have lost something very near and dear, but you also have much you know, left as well for your life in Christ. And so there is tremendous power in being grateful. There is tremendous power that it brings into your life. It can bring healing into your life. Gratitude. It, it can bring hope into your life. It can bring peace into your life. It can bring even joy when you are grateful with your life. And so, if you need a miracle on the inside right now just because of the overwhelmingness of life and stress, what you want to do is you want to look to God in faith, turn to Him, entrusting Him to to, to meet your needs, and you want to be grateful and give thanks. Now, if you've been a BSCCer for a while now, you've probably picked up on the fact that Johnny Erickson Tade is one of my heroes. I just she she has been such a blessing to me and, and help to me. In her book Diamonds in the Dust, she writes she begins her August third devotion with Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Let me read it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 
And she writes these thoughts about that verse. A woman whom I had been counseling shook her head and nervously said to me, I could never live in a wheelchair totally paralyzed. Relax, I replied with a smile, because you'll, you'll most likely never have to. How can you be so sure, she said suspiciously. I had, to, I had her flip over in the, her Bible and read Jeremiah 29, 11. After she read that verse, she frowned and said, but what about you? Look at your wheelchair. You don't think God's plan harmed you? I sighed and smiled at the woman, realizing there was no way that I could humanly convince her that God's plan for me has only meant spiritual prosperity and a hopeful future. But then again, I'm the only one who needs to be convinced of it, and I am. The power, you see, of thanking God in everything. It is one of the healthiest ways to live. It is one of the, the best ways that we bring glory and honor to God. It is transformational. And so whenever you find yourself struggling with stress, what you want to do is you want to stop and you want to ask, okay, how is God with me right now? And how is he at work that I might be thankful? One last verse. Proverbs 14.30, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. So it's not always just what you eat, but what eats at you <laughs> that uh, makes you unhealthy. And the most effective way to reduce stress is to say, I am going to look to God to meet my needs. And you give him that worry, or you give him that fear, or you give him that pain, you give him that loss, you give him that, that conflict. And you just trust that in him to take care of you. I mean, if God loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you, to bring forgiveness into your life and reconcile you to him. If he loves you that much, don't you think you can trust him to take care of all your other needs as well? That he loves you enough to do that? Yes. Yes, he does. Let's pray to him. God, we rejoice as we consider these scriptures and the life that you call us to in Jesus Christ. It is the best way to live. And so we ask, God, that you would work through your Holy Spirit in a way to help us bring you glory as we offer our body to you as a living sacrifice of worship and service in view of your mercy and all that you have done for us in Christ. And we thank you, Jesus, that you came to bring us peace. In fact, you are called the Prince of Peace. And we welcome that peace, the health that that brings to us emotionally. I pray for everyone worshiping that finds themselves in a very stressful, difficult time right now. That God, in a way that, that only you can do, you would bring that peace, that peace that surpasses understanding. That through your Holy Spirit, you would fill their heart and mind and body with that, that wonderful peace. That strength that says, 
We are more than conquerors in all things through Christ who loved us. That peace that says, I can do all things through, through Christ and the strength that he gives me. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for your peace. We welcome your peace. We welcome your lordship, your leadership. Have your way in us. We offer our lives, our, our thoughts, our, our emotions, our, our body, our, our entire life. Our spirit, we, we offer to you, God. We welcome that work of transformation in us. For your glory, we pray. In the name of our Savior, Jesus, who makes this possible. And all of God's people said, Let's stand and worship.
we go into this time of communion, if you're joining us at home, please feel free to use whatever you have. But for those of you who are here on campus, I encourage you to grab your cup that you picked up as you came in. 1 Corinthians 11:24 tells us that we are to take communion in remembrance of him. We don't do things in remembrance of people we want to forget, but instead we remember those who changed our world. And no one changed it as much as Jesus did. And for that, he says, set a time, set aside a time each week to do this. And so if you'll open it up, we will take our bread together, remembering the body that broke for us on the cross. taking the drink, remembering the blood that he spilled so that we could be with him for eternity. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son to do only something that he could do. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough, for reminding us each week to be grateful for you, for there is nothing in our life that you will not cover. In your name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. May we all go and use our bodies to serve and worship him this week. And we'll see you back here next week when we really discuss transforming our thoughts. If you're here on campus, I ask that you stay seated until the usher comes and dismisses you. And if you are joined us online, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.